You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. Who here has seen or heard of the movie Miracle? It's about 20 years or so ago. So it's a story about um, the 1980 men's Olympic ice hockey team. And... What? He wasn't born yet. (laughs) Shut up. I don't like you anymore. Um, So so in 1980, the Soviet Union had won um, five of the previous six gold medals. Um, They were the the dominating force. Um, They were expected to win again in 1980. Um, If you haven't seen the movie, uh, there's a spoiler alert, they don't win in 1980. Um, but it, it's a good sports movie, and I, I didn't realize how accurate it was to the real story. It wasn't just Hollywood. It, it, was, it was a very true, nearly perfectly accurate representation of the story. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it. But like any good sports movie, it, there is Hollywood in it. There's theater in it. And um, you know, it has an unconventional coach, which is you know, point number one you have to have for a good sports movie. The coach has to be thought of as crazy. Um, there's fighting within the team. There's got to be something to overcome. Um, there, there's lots of great inspirational quotes, like, you know, the name on the front of the jersey is more important than the name on the back of the jersey. Um, but but, it, but the, the most, the most um, cliched part of the movie, of any sports movie, is the training montage. There's the music playing. There's, like, ice hockey. I don't know anything about hockey. Um, but there's skating back and forth and hitting each other and, you know, whatever you do in hockey. And, and then they'll, they'll pause for a second and the coach will say, who are you? Where are you from? And they'll say, I'm so-and-so. I'm from Boston. Who do you play for? I play for Boston University. And then they'll skate some more and there's more montage and more music. And who are you? Where are you from? I'm so-and-so. I'm from such-and-such. Who do you play for? I play for the University of Wisconsin. And it goes on and on. I, I, you know, I, I'm a... You know, I, I play for Minnesota, I play for North Dakota, or whoever it is. And then, and finally, the montage ends, and then they go to an exhibition game. And it's, um, I think, the year before the Olympics, so 79 or early 80. And they go and they kind of phone it in. They, 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 they don't really play with heart, they don't play with effort. And at the end of the night, the coach is pretty mad at them. Um, you know, you're, you're supposed to be representing us as a country, playing as a team, but you... you you're not even trying. So the game doesn't matter, but you're not trying anyway. So he does what any unconventional coach would do, and he makes them run drills after the game for hours. The ice rink people, they've shut off the lights and left. I think they're locked in the building. Um, they're, they're skating back and forth for hours in the dark until finally uh, something kind of special happens. It is like the turning point of the movie. So we have a clip. I'll let you watch that. This cannot be a team of common men, because common men go nowhere. You have to be uncommon. Again. Herb, this has gone on long enough. Everybody on that line. Somebody's going to get hurt. Everybody get on that line. Hey. 
างเงี้ยAs a sidebar, the Olympics are going on, and we have a lot of people that are on our team that aren't playing for the United States of America. Um, I'm not really preaching about that, but maybe they should be in church this morning and hear this message. So, um, you know, leading up to that, all the players were saying, you know, I play for this college, I play for that college, I play for this team. I identify as a Wisconsin Badger, I identify as uh, a Minnesota Golden Gopher, or whatever the case is, a Boston Terrier. No, that's, that's, actually, that's actually their name. Um, it's dumb, but that's their name. Um, so, uh, oh man. So today, um, my title is um, I Identify As. The, the culture today um, is taking concepts and things that are in the Bible, and they're turning them into things that are perverse, are twisted, are um, not what God says about you. Um, but today I'm going to talk about how I identify and what God says. Um, there, there's a lot of I identify as this, I identify as that, I feel this, I feel that. But um, our identity, who we are, is not based on feeling. Our identity is based on what God says about us. And if he says something, it's true. Whether I believe it, whether I feel it, whether I identify as it, whether I want it to be true, if God says something about me, then that is the truth. So what does he say? 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. I'm in Christ. I've given my life to God. I follow after him. I seek after him. I'm new. If you've given your life to Christ, if you seek after him, if you follow after him, you're new. Whatever you've identified with before is gone. That life is done, and you don't have to identify with it anymore because he's given you a new identity. So today I'm going to talk about um, three different things about myself. You know, I was thinking... There's a lot of things about myself that, that um, I could talk about right now. Um, you know, but there, there's a lot of things that I've believed about myself that I've told myself at one point in time or someone else has told me and I um, latched onto it and I let it attach itself to me. Um, and maybe some of these things 
apply to you too. There are things that, that you, you carry around with you that you believe someone's told you, you've, you, you've made up on your own about yourself. Um, I have a, a long list. Um, I've only got like 30 or 40 points on here. Um, but you know, it, it, I've identified as, as being sick, as weak, as poor, um, as being unprepared. A big one for me is that I, um, I fight to control situations that are not mine to control. They're more than I can control and they're not my responsibility to control, but I feel like I'm out of control, so I try to fix things. Um, you know, I, I've identified as a failure in the past, as somebody who never quite succeeds, as somebody who almost wins. Like, I'm there, but not. Um, I, I believe that I was unworthy or that I wasn't good enough. You know, I, I've had, you know, thoughts in my mind that I, I have to earn this. I have to earn God's love. I have to earn salvation. Even though I know it's not true, that's still a, a, a feeling that, that I've had inside me that I've had to, you know, to, to break off. Um, I, you know, I could go on forever. Um, but I'm just going to talk about three of them today. I'm sorry, I'm struggling with the microphone here. It's my fault, not yours. It's me. Um, the, the first point, point number one, is I identify as unqualified. But God calls me his friend. So Abraham, he received a promise. God told him that um, you're going to have children, you're going to be the father of many nations and all this stuff. He says in Genesis chapter 15, look up into the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. But his wife, Sarah, um, couldn't have any children. So he was unqualified to fulfill what God had for him. He couldn't step into the promise that he was given because he wasn't qualified to do it or he thought he wasn't qualified to do it. So he took matters into his own hand, and he, um, you know, he and his wife Sarah decided to try to fulfill God's promise for their lives on their own. You know, he 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 had a son with Sarah's servant, um, and tried to to take the promise that God had given to him and get it on his own. Um, but years later, after all that, God comes to him again and tells him the same thing, Abraham. You're going to be the father of many nations. You're going to have um, more children than you can count. Your descendants, this, you're going to be blessed. You're going to be a blessing. But this time, God opened Sarah's womb, and um, she wasn't barren anymore, and he healed her, and Isaac was born. Now, um, sidebar, my last name is Isaacs. I had to type Isaac a whole lot of times in these notes, and I spelled it wrong every single time. Because it's almost the same as my name, but not. <laughs> the struggles I have. So even though Abraham saw himself as unqualified, he did always believe the promise. That's why he sought after it himself. That's why he said, God promises I'm going to go after it. He always believed. And in James chapter 2, 23, it says, And it so happened that just as the scriptures say, Abraham believed God, and God counted him as righteous because of his faith. He was even called the friend of God. So while Abraham thought he was unqualified, he said, I am unqualified, so I have to go try to qualify myself. God says, no, you're my friend. All right, so, so I'm not... Oh, that's cool. I, this is the first time I saw these slides. Um, 
I didn't know they were going to do that like that. Um, so I'm not the father of many nations. I'm the father of two kids that are 12 and 14. Um, but I've also identified myself as being unqualified. I, I grew up in a strong Christian family. My parents are here. I love them both. Um, you know, I, I'm fourth generation, at least, of spirit-filled Christians. My great-grandfather was a, a Pentecostal preacher. Um, I never met him, but, you know, I imagine calling down fire and brimstone on people. And um, it's probably a sight to see. Um, I, 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 I grew up believing God. I accepted Christ as my savior, um, savior really young. In January of 1983, I was filled with the Holy Spirit, spoke in tongues for the first time. And you weren't born then either. <laughs> I, I never knew how it would happen, what, how he would bring it to pass, how he'd work it out. But I always knew that God had a plan for my life and that he was going to use me somehow. Um, it was my version of Abraham's promise where, you know, I knew there was something, but I don't know how it's going to come to be. But when I was 20, I made the choice to um, walk away from God. And I still believed, but I didn't live like I believed. And I dug myself deeper and deeper and pulled myself farther and farther away. Wow. I, I took what could have been a qualified life, and I disqualified myself. Wow. Um, you know, flash forward, though, five years later, and I found my way to an altar kind of like this. Um, this is, by the way, the second church I've been to that had a bar in it. <laughs> so... Um, Take that for what it's worth. Um, this is a great place to be saved or be reconciled. There's, um, so it wasn't until years later when I read John again in chapter 15 where he says, you're my friends if you do what I command. And I had been trying to do what God wanted me to do, and that's when I realized he was calling me friend too. So while I identified as unqualified, he had called me friend. The, the second point I want to make is... Um, I identify as an imposter. And th this one was a harder one to, to talk about. Um, for me, I'll, I'll get to that in a minute, but Abraham's son Isaac had twin sons Esau and Jacob. Jacob's name literally means deceiver or imposter. Um, and the tradition back then was that the firstborn son, which was Esau, um, would get a better inheritance and would get a special blessing. But Jacob was his mom's favorite, kind of like me. So, um, so, yeah, it's true. Um, so, so she heard this, Rebecca heard this, and she convinced Jacob that they could trick Isaac into blessing him instead. So she sent him out to kill a goat and to make this special meal that he wanted. And, and Jacob says, yeah, but my brother Esau, he's hairy and he smells like the wilderness. So um, she says, well, go put on his clothes and we'll wrap your arms in this goat skin. And... Anyway, long story short, he goes in to Isaac and says, hey, it's me, your son Esau. Here's, here's the food you wanted. But um, Isaac says, who is this? And he, Isaac was blind by this time. He couldn't see. And Jacob says, it's, it's me, your son Esau. So Jacob looks at him, or doesn't look at him. He, he listens and he feels, and he, and he says, you sound like Jacob. But he felt his arms and said, but you feel like Esau. So he blessed him. And just as a sidebar here, don't trust what you feel. Trust what you hear. Because the word of God is always right, no matter what you feel. So at this point, after being blessed, Jacob runs away because he knows his brother's going to kill him. 
and um, he goes off for years and years, gets married, has kids. So years and years later, um, he finally does reconcile with his brother Esau, and he, um, he's, in, he's in a place called Bethel where, where God met him, and God comes to him again, and he says in Genesis 35, 11 and 12, I am El Shaddai, God Almighty. Be fruitful and multiply. You'll become a great nation, many nations. Kings will be among your descendants. And so even though he had identified and been named imposter, someone else put that on him. He identified with it. God says, you have a purpose. So, so my story... Um, I'm not sure where I'm supposed to stand or what I'm doing wrong, so I'll stand back here. Um, for, for literally, I mentioned my great-grandfather was a, was a preacher. For literally over 100 years at this point, my family has had the experience that the, the apostles had in the upper room in Acts chapter 2. I grew up around miracles and visions and dreams and signs and wonders and all of this power and all of this wonderful stuff that we experience here at Awaken Church. Um, but with all of that power and the, the, the presence of the Spirit... Um, it was also a very religious church. You know, they, they, they preached that we're given the free gift of salvation, and they would, you know, say, say these things, but there was um, always the feeling that, asterisk, but you have to do this, or asterisk, you have to make sure this happens, asterisk, make sure this doesn't happen. And obviously, we don't want to encourage someone to, to go out and be a, live a sinful life, but it, it was part of being saved was following rules, yes. Um, thing is, even as a kid, I didn't always believe the rules were right. And I, I remember having talks with my dad when I was you know, eight or nine years old, where um, he would say, you know, we don't necessarily agree with every single thing that the church says. We do these out of respect for them because most everything we like, but there's some things that we, we don't agree with. So, you know, even as an eight, nine-year-old, I'd remember thinking that way, and then I, I would find myself, I'm, I'm going through motions, I'm being something on the outside that doesn't match what I am on the inside. I'm pretending, I'm deceiving, I'm being an imposter, I'm doing these things because it's what I'm supposed to do, but not because it's what I think I actually should do. Um, so it's been, it's been years, in some cases 40 years since I really believed all of these rules were God's intention, but the beliefs were so ingrained that I had a hard time shaking them off. Part of the reason we came to Awaken um, four plus years ago was because of the religious freedom that we saw here. And, and I, I encourage everybody here, people that feel bound up in your life, bring them here and let them experience what, what freedom can feel like. So, you know, I, I would still find myself, while I was seeking the freedom that this church had, and while I desired that, and while I didn't completely believe all of these other things, I was so attached to them, and they were op oppressing me so much that I would judge people for doing things that I didn't even believe was wrong. Um, and, you know, one day I realized just how much that didn't make sense. There was such a disconnect. And, you know, and that was the day that I started getting delivered from that. And I, you know... I praise God that this house preaches deliverance from all sorts of things, including being too religious. So while I identified myself as an imposter, God gave me a purpose, just like he did Jacob. 
I don't know if I'm going to have any kings as my descendants, but <laughs> yes, I will. Thank you, David. All right, so that brings me to point number three. Um, I wanted to bring up um, King David, who was one of the descendants of Jacob, who was a king. So Abraham was the grandfather of Jacob, and Jacob's descendant was King David. And King David, um, there, there was a time in his life where I'm going to say he felt invisible. He, 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 um, he was anointed as king when he was somewhere around 15 years old, but he didn't become king until you know, 15, 16, 18 years later. Um, he received the promise, but it seemed like it would never happen. He, he was a fugitive. He was on the run, and King Saul was trying to kill him. He felt invisible, unseen, forgotten by God. And in Psalms chapter 13, verse 1, he says, O oh Lord, how long will you forget me? Forever? How long will you look the other way? But even, even through this, even though he felt unseen, he felt invisible, he, he still lived an honorable life. He still lived a life that pleased God. He was still honoring to King Saul, who was trying to kill him. He, he spared Saul's life on multiple occasions when he could have killed him and taken the throne that he'd already been anointed to take. He could have done what Abraham did and seized the promise that God gave him before it was his to take. But he didn't. And then later in Psalm 139, you know, David writing again, he, um, he recognizes just how much God does see and care for him. And he says, oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts. Even when I'm far away, you see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do, and you know what I'm going to say even before I say it. He, he recognized that God prized him so much. God loved him so much. God called him a man after his own heart. And while David identified as having been invisible, God says, no, you are prized, and I love you, and I want you. So if you're not already up here, you can come on up, Jared. Um, so I, I said I only had three points. Um, and I, I kind of, I won't say lied because I'm at church, but I, I have what I'll call a bonus point. So, you know, sometimes I feel overlooked and unseen, but um, I don't always feel like God notices me. And I know that's not true because I know he sees me. I've read Psalm 139 and it's amazing. And it, it, it kind of speaks whenever I do feel that way. It, it, it's one of the passages that kind of wakes me up out of that um, I don't know, pride, where I feel like I should be seen and I'm not. Um, but there, there's a verse that I came across in James um, 1.18. It's, it's becoming one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, and it says, he chose to give us birth. He, I'm sorry, he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word, which is Jesus. And we all of all creation are his prized possession. So when I did a word study for what prized possession means, I, I found out it's actually the, the same Greek word that's Genesis 1-1 that says, in the beginning. So from the beginning of time, we have been prized and desired and sought after by God. Before we were born, before anyone knew us, before we had parents, he, he knew our name before we were given a name. And when he created light on the first day, he, he didn't create it for himself. Because Psalm 139 goes on to say, light and darkness are the same to you. 
even if I hide in the shadows or in the darkness, out of your sight, you can still see me. He didn't create light for himself. He created it for us. But not just us as a whole, but us as in he created light for me on the first day of creation because I was already his prized possession. So the, the, the bonus point that I was talking about, um, that I mentioned that James 1.18 verse. The bonus point is I identify as invisible. But I have to be honest, I've been waiting for this, this moment right here, 10-10, July 25th, for two years. I've been playing the long game on this one. <laughs> I, 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 I've been working on this since August of 2019. And um, if you know me at all, um, I post a lot of pictures about guys in our church that, that I really admire. They make sacrifices. They love people in the church, like Jake, like Pastor Michael, like so many other people, Chris DeLorenzo. You, they make sacrifices for the church. They love the church. They want to build the house. They, they, they do things not out of obligation, but they do things because they know that it's going to touch somebody's life. Even though the work looks the same either way, their heart behind it is different. So when I catch them doing something that I admire, that I appreciate, that I respect, that I, that I want to be like, I'll snap a picture, I'll post it on Instagram, and I'll hashtag it, hashtag favorite. So I've been working on this for a long time, guys. The, you know, the things that they do, they don't go unnoticed. They, they, they may feel like they're invisible. They may feel like they're unseen. They may feel like they're unappreciated. But, but I see them, and I appreciate it, and they are my favorite people in this church. I have lots of favorites. <laughs> but, but despite what you hear, God also has favorites. Um, the, the difference is he doesn't choose his favorites. His favorites choose him. So, so let's look at James 1.18, that same verse again, only this time let's read the Passion Translation. It says, God was delighted to give us birth by the truth of his infallible word so that we could fulfill his chosen destiny for us and become the favorite ones out of all his creation. Jesus was the first guy to hashtag favorite somebody. And it was everybody that said, I love you. He, he, he didn't select I'm going to favorite you and not you. He says, if you choose me, you're my favorite. So anyone who's been born again, no matter if you've identified as invisible in the past, God says you are his favorite. So I'm going to, I'm going to close it up. Um, if we could all like, close our eyes for a few minutes. If you've ever identified yourself as being unqualified, uh, maybe you felt like an imposter and you're just going through someone else's emotions. You find yourself feeling like you're invisible and you're not seen by anyone, or especially you're not seen or acknowledged by God. Maybe you believe lies about yourself that you were sick or weak or poor or that you were an almost winner like I had or any other number of things that, that you've spoken out over your own life. I, I want to encourage you today to trust the voice and the words that you hear, that Jesus says, you are his favorite. You are his friend. You have a purpose. He has a plan for your life, and it includes you having a relationship with him. He doesn't choose his favorites. 
his favorite is to choose him. Maybe you've never met Jesus before, and um, this, is, this is your first time hearing about him, your first time thinking about him being a, someone that you would want to have a relationship with. Or maybe you're like me, where you did, and then you walked away and you spent years um, trying to take control of your own life and put the pieces in place yourself. But you found yourself far from him. This moment, um, it's created just for you. He, he set up this time on this day for you to be here, to hear this, to, to think about how much he wants you. Um, if you've ever felt like either of those are you, if you never met Jesus or if you did a long time ago, but you, 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 you walked away, I want to encourage you to, to lift your hands so we can pray for you. I see one over here. If you've... Um, ever felt unqualified or disqualified but but you want to feel like you're a friend you know raise your hand if you've ever felt like you're going through the motions if you've ever felt like you're an imposter you're pretending to be something i see your hand if you ever felt like you're pretending to be something even though you know it's not who you really are or maybe you don't even know who you really are raise your hand we'll pray for you if you have ever felt overlooked or invisible, and all you really want to know is that someone sees you. Raise your hand. Not only does he see you, but, but you're a prized possession, and he wants to call you one of his favorites. All right. I, I've seen a number of hands, and I, I want to thank you all for, for being vulnerable and raising your hands, for, for wanting to step out into that new relationship or the restored relationship. Now that song we sang earlier, I love that song, where broken things are restored, where bodies are healed, where lives are changed, families are brought back together. That's what this is all about. You've identified as being in some broken state, but God says, I have a perfect state for you. So I, I want to pray. Um, I want us to all pray together. Um, if you raised your hand or thought about raising your hand, um, I especially want you to say these words, but we're all going to say them together. So let's all go ahead and stand up. And, and let's say these words together. Heavenly Father, I love you. Jesus, I believe that you died for me when only you knew what my worst would be. I used to identify as a sinner but I, today I turn away from anything keeping me from you. Today I choose to be your friend. Today I acknowledge that you have a purpose for me. Today I choose to be one of your favorites. I declare that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. Walk with me and help me to live my life in a way that pleases and honors you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.